it's now time for an in-depth look dedicated to all things pertaining to the New York Red Bulls, tackling all of the latest news and happenings both on and off the pitch. This is the Fall of Bulls Podcast. The Red Bulls' post-goal cup momentum was slowed down a bit in the Bronx last weekend. They'll look to regain it back home in Red Bull Arena versus Orlando City this Saturday night. We break down their recent performances and take a look at their new additions to the roster. Hi, everyone. Welcome once again to the Full Bulls podcast alongside Alfredo Fumasas. I'm Mike Corbett. We'll be talking about the Red Bulls since uh, everything that's happened to them since the Gold Cup break. Some success, uh, setback, some new guys coming in, some guys injured, a whole lot of things going on that we need to catch up on that's happened almost within the last about a month or so. Of course, you can always follow us on our Twitter page at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls. Find us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Alfredo, how you doing? Obviously, uh, first I just want to say um, we, we've been off for a few weeks. It's not as if we were canceled or anything. We do this on our own, so it's not like we canceled ourselves either. Uh, obviously, we had the, the Gold Cup break, and then I went off to Ireland for about a week and a half. Uh, that was a fun time, and you know it was the last week. I had issues with work and it was a little busy. So here we are again. Uh, Alfredo, how you doing? How, what have you been doing uh, this to to keep busy while we've been away? Mike, I'm I'm doing great, man. And, and look, I I have to apologize to the the listener, to the handful of listeners that we have that we have because yeah, uh, were you going to Ireland? Uh, it was, obviously fell on me to uh, get something out for the listeners and and to keep the uh, the podcast going on a weekly basis. And uh, unfortunately, things didn't come together, uh, and I couldn't put one out. So uh, maybe it's job security uh, on your part. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a slight bit uh, relief, but I know I wanted to do one last week too, but then I was just slammed at work. Um, actually, one of the people I do work with from time to time is Tina Savasio, who's on the MSG broadcast for the Red Bulls, among other things. I was able to catch up with her when I got back from Ireland. Yeah, I was able actually to watch a little bit of the game against Minnesota United because it was broadcast on Sky Sports there in Ireland, also Ireland and the United Kingdom. So I was able to watch a little bit of the second half of that game. Yeah, I didn't really know exactly some of the things that were changed with the formation. And I know when I got back, I spoke with her for a few minutes. And this was the week leading up to the uh, Montreal game where they won 4 nothing. And she was talking about with the different formation changes. And then I watched them that, that game against Montreal. Obviously, Montreal's had some struggles this year. But obviously, the, the Red Bulls have also struggled against Montreal um, it, it looked good. It looked really good. Uh, but then, you know, some of the positives before I get into the negatives, they did advance also outside of MLS. They advanced to the semifinal of the U.S. Open Cup, which they'll be playing in next Tuesday in Cincinnati against FC Cincinnati, a uh, uh, U.S. Uh, USL side in Division Two, which is actually they've they've knocked off some MLS teams along the way. They've and it's game's going to be at Cincinnati sellout. It's be tough for yeah, be a tough one for the Red Bulls. They have won three of the last four. We did say before on our last podcast it'd be interesting to see how they do the the five games following the Gold Cup break. Um, the scoring goals outscored their MLS opponents fourteen to four over the last four games and. Daniel Royer was looking really good. 
um, was named the Major League Soccer Player of the Month for July, and they did move up to fourth in the East, and they're five points above the playoff uh, drop zone. As you, normally, they would say the drop zone for relegation, but they're five points above the playoff line. So right now, they're actually sitting in in pretty good playoff spot. The negatives, though, um, have to just probably go back to Sunday's game, and they lost 3-2 at Yankee Stadium to NYCFC, and, you know, NYC is uh, taking the season series. Um, The defense, I want to get to to you with this about Alfredo, where – but the whole new change with the formation, where they're getting some of the young guys involved, Tyler Adams more involved – it does, I guess, leave them a little bit uh, vulnerable in the back. And yeah. I think you really saw that, especially with you know, one David Villa. Um, they, they they pretty much got shredded besides the two goals that they somewhat gifted. That first one, which, you know, bad pass by Parnell, got kicked back. Uh, it was a one-on-one. And then Salzizo decides to, you know, kick uh, Villa in the head while he's trying to clear a ball and gets called for the penalty. The second Villa goal was... It was a pretty nice goal. He sort of turned at, um, long inside out. But just what NYCFC were able to do to the, the Red Bulls defense on the small Yankee Stadium field, but nonetheless, I guess that is um, might, might want to you know, pump the brakes and a lot of the optimism, optimism of the four-game winning streak that they had heading into that. Uh, well, anytime you get into a winning streak and, and you put together a, a nice row of, of wins or, or – um, even if it's ties, it's always good, right? Because it creates momentum. And I think that at the time right now, the team is at a stage in the season where they need to create somewhat of a consistent momentum going into the playoffs or, or heading in, or, or heading into that playoff uh, playoff chase. Uh, right. So I think that the biggest thing and Mike, and this is huge because you've been away while this transformation has gone on. Uh, this new mm-hmm. formation would, would really uh, – there's a lot of variations of it. A lot of people call it different things. It's basically it's, – it's, it's a three-center-back uh, setup uh, with Adams um, and then another guy on the other side who has been uh, either Mule or, or Connor Laid or, or Wameyu. Connor Laid actually got hurt. Um, but this was all out of necessity, right? So Mourinho and Kamar Lawrence, who were the two outside backs, were away with the Gold Cup. So, um, and then there were some injuries also to, uh, to kind of later, as I mentioned. So Jesse kind of had to uh, put something together, kind of reinvent this team and, and really give um, playing time to the guys who have been consistent players, guys like Tyler Adams. Uh, also, Sean Davis came on the scene. He started putting good performance. So I think that Jesse worked this out, uh, went to a, a three-man back system, uh, put Tyler Adams – uh, on one on one side of, of the defense, kind of like a wing back almost on the right hand side, move Sean uh, Sean Davis up up uh, to the middle with uh, with Felipe, and then at one point he was also playing a little up. It's it's a very dynamic formation that allows for the team uh, to have a lot of people in the midfield uh, to not only be able to offer options to the guys that like to to do, play that kind of ticky tacky style of football, touching the ball around, moving combinations, short passes. But also, it allows the Red Bulls to have more men in the midfield so they could counter-press and also press the first line of construction by their opponents. So it's kind of worked out, and I think that 
when Jesse first burst on the scene uh, and he introduced this new formation and how the Red Bulls have been playing, um, at first it took teams by surprise because of the pressing style that the Red Bulls were bringing. But then after a while, teams started to figure out the Red Bulls. They started figuring out that if the Red Bulls are pressing uh, high on one side of the pitch, that with a long ball to an outlet guy on the opposite side of the field, they can escape that and they can take the and they could take advantage of the Red Bulls being off balance, if you will. Uh, now, I've always said and seeing how the Red Bulls had adopted this system and this has been the go to system for them in the past couple of seasons. I always said that once the team started to adapt and recognize the, the formation and playing style of the Red Bulls, that the Red Bulls almost had to not reinvent themselves, but they had to find variations of things that they were doing that were successful, but also in the defensive side, they needed to reinvent themselves and, and, and come up with new schemes that teams would have a hard time getting behind their back. They play with a very high uh, defensive line and teams would exploit that, especially on the weak side. So I always thought that the Rebels needed some kind of variation of their all-too-familiar formation in order to start beating opponents again. This new formation that they're playing now, it's something that's it's it's it still has the same type of um, game model, if you will, or or game idea. Is that is that pressing? Is that counter pressing? Is the moving of the ball, uh, keeping possession in the midfield, keeping most of the possession in the midfield, looking for uh, Bradley Wright Phillips on the cutting lanes in the holes behind the defense. Uh, you know, and and this was the model that the Red Bulls still have till now, but now. They've just adapt. They just changed to a point that teams are are still trying to figure out what the rebels are doing. And the fact that the rebels combine so well with the ball at their feet with the, with their short passes is very hard for teams to to dispossess the Red Bulls. And because there's so many guys in the middle now, there's more options for guys to to get involved. Uh, Sasha Klesson is not as uh, as isolated. Uh, BWP has guys supporting him because now mm-hmm. you got the outside guys that join the middle. So it pushes guys like Royer and Wheel up the field to, to support the BWP. So this is this is worked out well for the Red Bulls, but I got I have to give credit to Jesse Marsh. Albeit the this formation haven't come from a necessity uh, because of injuries, because of guys that were at the Gold Cup. All right, and how much I would say with um, how would you rate it with with Saturday? Oh, that's Saturday. Last Sunday against NYCFC, where was it alarming, or was it a situation where you know, the first goal was a bad pass by Paranel, led to the breakaway, then you had the penalty, and you had a you know the via the goal sandwich in between those two, which was it was a nice play. Playing, not making excuses for anything, but playing on the the smaller size field at Yankee Stadium. Um, yeah, it, it seemed as if you know the Red Bulls. I don't want to say had them where they wanted them, but they were in good position to at least possibly get three points. After the second goal, it looked like all right. You may, I thought the game would actually end in a draw. Was it just a, a fit? It wasn't necessarily a failure of the formation, but what exactly? went wrong where it didn't 
work the way they wanted to against NYC on Sunday? Well, there's a couple a couple things. First is the size of the pitch, as you mentioned, right? So when the Red Bulls overload certain areas of the pitch with players uh, looking for passing combinations, when you have a smaller pitch, it's it's much harder to move the ball around because your opponent is going to be right on top of you. But I thought that overall the Red Bulls played pretty well. Um, the temporary infield that gets covered by grass whenever the NYCFC plays I, there. I noticed I, – I'm glad you pointed it out because in, in games past, it, it's actually held up pretty well There's over the last two and a half years. On Sunday, I noticed there was divots coming up. It was starting oh. to look like um, – Cristiano yeah, no, Oliveira's golf game there for a little bit. A lot, a lot of large divots. And, and, and yeah, and a lot of slipping. Uh, players losing yeah. their their footing, especially on those areas, which, by the way, are very recognizable if you're watching the the, the game. Yeah, so, I but, wonder, I'm sorry to interrupt you once again. I wonder if there was a few days before that there was a Yankee game on a Wednesday where they having a, they had a torrential downpour for a while, and I remember after when it dried out, where they were sticking holes in in the outfield to get it to drain. I'm wondering just with some of the rain that they took, if it just had an effect with the grass. But yes, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I'm I'm no turf expert, but I would I would think that the part where the grass is at Yankee Stadium will probably soak up uh, the rain a lot better than that infield, that sand infield, yeah. which is is not as. Look, I'm not no expert, so I'm just talking yeah. out of my butt. Perhaps it's not mm. as porous, and it won't. Um, it won't absorb the sand, and then when you put the the, the temporary grass on top of it, it's, it's not really obviously yeah. it's not going to catch because if it, there's soft ground, it's not going to catch. But look, I thought the Red Bulls played a uh, played a decent game. I thought Sasha played uh, a very good game, um, perhaps one of the better games that he's had all season. Uh, but you know, when you make mistakes against players of the caliber of David Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, those mistakes are gonna are gonna bite you bite you in the butt, right? So whether it's a, it's a missed pass um, and f- in the first goal, and and then David Villa finds finds himself on a, on a counter attack one on one with uh, with Robles, uh, he's not gonna miss many of those. Uh, then the one thing with um, uh, the the second goal with Aaron Long, where he turns Aaron Long inside out. I mean, that's uh, uh, something else that, you know, you got to put the brakes. The, the lack of experience there or, or the, an experienced player would, will perhaps put a body on David Villa or the, takes the professional foul just to stop him there. Uh, he mm-hmm. had Aaron Long on the back foot, so it was easy for him to get there. But I think that overall, I think it was the mistakes that the Red Bulls made in this game um, that NYCFC took advantage of. And in the end, they punished them. Yeah, and... One other negative out of that game had to be who I mentioned, one of the positives, Daniel Royer, player of the month of July, had to leave the game early. Turns out he hyperextended. It looked much worse, and it sounded much worse when he had the cameras, the Fox Sports cameras right there. You could hear him screaming. Um, I guess you might freak out a bit with hyperextension. Your knee goes in a different direction. You start feeling pain. You don't know what the heck's going on. Yeah, but apparently they, they they examined it. They took MRIs where there was no damage. I guess is uh, bruising. You know, it's week to week, but it's probably gonna be a while before he comes back. So that's yeah. gonna be something else. I yeah. guess going forward with this, you know, change in formation out of necessity, as you were saying, where guys are missing for injury and Gold Cup. Now you talk about someone, Daniel Royer, who's one of their best players, if possibly the player of the year so far for the Red Bulls. Now he's gonna be missing some time. 
how do they go about replacing him? Does this call for just plugging someone, you know, same formation, plugging someone in there, changing the formation around? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think the Red Bulls are going to go away from the formation that has brought them success, the formation that has, has put them on a four-game winning streak that has produced uh, a lot of goals. As you mentioned, the outscored opponents was was 14-3 to three or 14-2. to two. Yeah, 14-4. 14-4, they outscored. And, th- and three of them came on Sunday. Right. So they're not <laughs> going to go it. away from this formation that that uh, that is producing goals, which is something that the Rebels struggled with, especially away from home. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go away. I think that a guy like Muil, he's going to step in that role, which is very familiar with. But, you know, you can't underplay or undervalue the importance of Royer, what Royer has brought to this team in the past couple months and how mm-hmm. important – he has been to this team, whether it's uh, putting away a, a penalty kick, which, yeah. uh, you know, by by any means, it, it's not easy. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not easy. It's not like shooting a free, a free throw. But, yeah. uh, you know, he's been hot for the Rebels. And this is a huge blow for, for the Rebels. But I think that the way Jesse Marsh has this team and the way these players compete day in, day out in training, they'll be ready to play. And I don't... Mule has been a guy that's been been getting a lot of playing time, so it's not like you're getting a guy off the bench who hasn't played in a long, long time, who gets five minutes here and five minutes there to come in in this position. Uh, now, whether or not Mule is going to be able to have the same production and same effect as uh, at Daniel Royer, that's yet to be seen. But I think that he's a capable substitute of Daniel Royer. Speaking of Muil, and I want to get to, to another uh, player who could possibly see some more playing time due to this before we get into the, the transfers. Uh, watching his goal against Minnesota, as I said, I was watching the Sky Sports broadcast. So it was English broadcasters when I was over in Ireland. I mean, he let, he ripped the shot there. It was towards the end of the, to the game. The game is pretty much already in hand. But he let go a nice shot. Where it was a nice blast. And the English announcers, oh, there's a goal. There was no real excitement saying, oh, wow, look at that shot. Yeah, I'm not saying they go, goal, but it was just almost like, oh, yeah, he just you know, poked it in. I, you know, I yeah. say, it was a nice little blast he had there where he just turned around, boom, right into the, to the upper corner. Um, other people who can maybe find some more playing time and someone who was, was starting to play well before the goal cup break, but obviously it was still him coming off the bench, and we talk about, as we go into the transfers, Gonzalo Verón, here's someone who's still a designated player on the books for the Red Bulls. And I, I'd given him some credit because he came in, he made a difference in, in a couple of games or he assisted in, you know, on some goals that led to victories. He scored the winning goal. It was against new England, right? Right yeah. there, right at the, right at the end. So what, what is this uh, somewhere where, he could get in and start seeing some starts and start seeing some longer playing time because then why do you have a designated player who's just pretty much a, a, become a super sub now? Yeah, it, I mean, it's possible. But the, the thing is that Verón plays a little higher up the pitch uh, mm-hmm. than uh, what the, what that position calls for. Right. Um, will the Red Bulls go back to their two-forward system? I don't think so. Uh, but I think that right now, perhaps Jesse Marsh and, and the rest of the coaching team, I think that they have accepted that Verone is kind of a, a role guy. He's the guy that could come in with 15, 20 minutes left, fresh legs, 
Um, he, he's he's quick. Uh, he can move into channels. He can make runs. He could he could stretch the defense with his runs. And I think that what Jesse Marsh is is has set his mind um, as to what uh, Verone's role is going to be on this team. So I very much doubt that Verone will fill in for Daniel Royer. But you know, at this point, anything uh, anything uh, is possible because of uh, what we really have seen. Uh, with Jesse Marsh and what Jesse Marsh has done with this team. Yeah, it's possibly not necessarily coming in for Royer, but obviously someone moving to Royer's spot, opening up something for Verone. I, I just got to say, you got to start. Yeah, he's played better, but you want to start seeing some um, more bang for your buck. I want to get into the transfers. As we were saying before the Gold Cup break, you know, we got – they need some more guys. They, there's something missing with this team. The guys they brought in, and I put this under positive, negative since the last podcast, and I put uncertains, and I put the transfers, and I'm looking at the guys' names. Fidel Escobar sounds like um, you know, the, the, the evil guy from a, some 80s drug movie. You know? a, a revolutionary drug yeah. lord. Yeah, from Panama. You know? <laughs> And Muhammad, uh, who's a Kaita, Akita? Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard his name on the broadcast yet. I'm sorry. I've been a wise. So I don't know. Who's from a Gambian-born Norwegian striker. So here we go. It's the second Norwegian striker that Jesse Marsh has brought in this year. And then, uh, who is it? Uh, Dilly Ducker, who they just confirmed today uh, on Thursday that he has transferred from Columbus. He was on Columbus's books, but yeah, I don't think he'd been playing with them this year. He's come over to the Red Bulls now. Uh, I don't know. Well, uh, I'll get it first because you know a lot more about soccer, football than I do. I, I've never heard of these guys. I heard a little bit of Duka in the past, but not you know nothing much. I mean, I can start with Escobar. He is a defender. Yeah. Well, I mean, eighteen-month yeah. loan or something like that. Yeah, eighteen-month loan. Yeah, I mean, if if anything, these guy, what these guys bring to the team is that they they're going to add depth to this team. Uh, the center back position was something that the Red Bulls really needed to address. Uh, apparently, when they were scouting Murillo, um, Escobar was somebody they were also had under observation, and as a result, uh, they decided to bring him in on an eighteen-month loan. To see how it works out. Um, I mean, at this point, and look, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, be talking down Salzizo because I think he Salzizo has done a great job in an unnatural position. I don't, I never thought that right back was his natural position, let alone a, a third guy on a on a three man center back um, center back lineup. Um, yeah. So I think that Fidel is going to come in and add some depth. He's going to add some experience, and albeit uh, still being a, a young guy, he's going, to add ex- he's going to add experience of how to play that position. Uh, whether or not he's played in, in a three-center-back uh, uh, setup before, I don't know. Uh, it's not the same as playing with two guys. There's a lot of communication that needs to take place. There's a lot of positioning that these guys need to be in to make up for, for, the, for not having – uh, fullbacks on either side so there's a lot that goes into and then the other thing and I think that was something that you actually uh, caught was the fact that there's a communication barrier between him 
and, and uh, yeah. the other center backs. Yeah, I read something about that where Aaron Long was talking. Here, here it is. Uh, he's a good player. It's a little bit tough with communication right now, central defender Aaron Long said. I think this is the piece I got from uh, uh, Christian Dyer's piece, I believe, or uh, that he, he had wrote for, I think, Metro New York. Yeah. Uh, said referring to Escobar's limited English, but we're all working with him. He's going yeah. to learn the system. It's probably going to take a week or two, but he looks like a very good player, but good yeah. passer and good defender. Yeah, as you were saying, you were saying in the beginning with, you know, commun- especially in that position, communication and I guess teaching the basics with the yeah. English to get him by. But I know that's something maybe if he's coming in during training camp, you could work out things, but he's coming right in the middle of the season, right when they're putting a you know playoff push and trying yeah. to work their way up in the standings. Uh, that yeah. just seems tough throwing him right in the mix right yeah. now. I mean, look, I think that when you go out and and you play uh, football or soccer, regardless of, of the level, regardless whether you join some guys at the park who would only speak another language, when you play in the game, it's really all the same language. Now, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, and that three defender setup, there's a lot of communication that needs to take place. There's not a lot of directing. There's a lot of adjusting. Now, with Aurel and Colin coming in and being that Aurel and Colin speak Spanish, maybe that's going to help. Uh, mm. Aurel and Colin, as we know, has been battling with injuries all season. Uh, he plays one game or one and a half game. He sits out five, six games. So yeah. there's been that struggle there. But definitely, he's, he would be the guy to guide uh, Fidel uh, Escobar um, into this system. Uh, now, look, as as Long says, there's um, there's a communication barrier, obviously, but I think that when you're playing, uh, th- your your vocabulary or your instructions could be very limited. You know, move there, move there, left, right, step up, mark a guy. So those are probably words that he could pick up real quick and know exactly what they're saying. Um, so, well, I'm sorry. I would also interrupt. Uh, I would also think probably Robles too would help because Robles, yeah. I believe his father was from Puerto Rico, correct? Yeah, I don't know how much Spanish. I, Robles I think speaks. he's from the air. He was from the army base. I know Robles is born in Fort Huachuca, where my brother was actually uh, went through training there in Arizona. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah. I'm making assumptions. I'm sorry if I am, but I'd assume that I think Robles would probably be able to, to help him yeah. out and Mario too. Murillo, but they, here's the thing: with with Tyler Adams playing the way he has been playing, right. where's Murillo going to fit in this team? Mm-hmm. So obviously, there's going to be an adaptation period there. But I think that, and look, I've never seen this guy play, so I'm I'm just making an assumption. Anything, uh, and look again, I don't want to downplay the guy, but it's much better to have a natural center black playing in that position than to play Zizou. That's yeah. that's my feeling. So. He comes yeah, to I, add. I think that really stood out on Sunday too. But I, yeah. obviously, he won't be playing this week. Whereas yeah, he picked up the the other uh, two yellows, people so, one red. Right. So he, he won't be playing. So let's see if Farrell and Colin steps in. Let's see if maybe Murillo steps in, or let's see if Fidel Escobar steps in. So we'll have to see. In regards to the other guy, and I don't know if uh, if it's Kita, if it's Keita, uh, like you, I haven't heard uh, his name on a broadcast. So I wouldn't know how to. Sp- 
how to say it correctly. Uh, but there's a connection there with Bob Bradley. Apparently, Bob Bradley coached him. Mm-hmm. We all know that Bradley is close to to Jesse Marsh. Marsh. Uh, they were in the U.S. national team um, at one point together as as a technical uh, uh, group. And Marsh played for him at uh, Chivas USA. Right. Bradley so was the there's there's obviously uh, some good information that's being given to Jesse um, by Bradley. Uh, and I think that the Red Bulls have been uh, very smart um, with the way they have brought these guys in, almost surgical. And I think that the biggest thing is that the Red Bulls don't want to bring the wrong guy. They want to make sure that they get a guy that, albeit not being used to the system that the Red Bulls are, are currently p- playing, are guys that have the ability to play in that system. So we'll just have to see. But he's just another guy to um, to add on to the depth squad. As far as uh, Dilly Dilly Duca, um, <laughs> he's been apparently he's been training with the Red Bulls for a while, even though he was on and, the, and Jesse the and, and and Jesse Marsh says that he's been he's been doing well. He likes it. For me, the the biggest thing about Dilly Duca, uh, really, he's an attacking attacking midfielder from from what I've read. So I think that when you have a team as young as you have. You need to balance that team with some veterans, with some guys that have been around. And what Dilly Duca brings into this into this uh, into this team is experience. He's had playoff experience with Columbus. Uh, he's been around the league. I think he bounced a couple teams before Columbus. Then uh, I think there was a couple other teams before he returned back to Columbus. But what he brings is experience. He's a guy that has been used to playing under pressure. He has is a guy that's played in the playoffs. So perhaps this is. A, uh, almost like a calming presence to the young guys around him. And when Jesse sees a guy um, like uh, like Tyler Adams, who's never played a playoff game in his in his in his life in the MLS, uh, or Sean Davis, uh, who is still inexperienced, uh, if you will, uh, to bring this guy on at a point that you feel that you need a guy that has a cool head on his shoulders, knows what the pressure is like, knows. Uh, what it is to play for a playoff position or even in a playoff game, I think it's the right move by the Red Bulls because whether or not he's going to get uh, 90 minutes a game or whether or he's going to get 10, 15 minutes a game, he's the guy that brings that experience and that calm head. So I thought that uh, it was it was a good transfer window for the Red Bulls. Uh, now, some fans may disagree. They would have liked to have seen a name guy or a guy that can make an impact right away. I think these guys are, are kind of enigmas to us at this time. Yeah, it just seems with uh, with the Duca thing where why wasn't he playing with Columbus? You know, because it seemed like he wasn't doing anything with them this year where, I mean, they're they're fighting for their, their playoff lives too. Is Why couldn't he make a contribution with them? It's one thing if Red Bulls, you know, made a player swap or something like that. That's even tough within the division like that or within the conference like that when you're competing for the yeah. same spots where yeah. it just we, we don't know. Like I mean, didn't I'm want sorry. this guy. I'm sorry, Mike. Um, we, we don't know. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of factors that play into it. There's, there's, guy, there's guys that um, they fall out of favor with coaches. Uh, coaches mm-hmm. feel that, you know, this guy is no good for me anymore. And, and look, one man's garbage may be one man's treasure. I mean, look at Aurelia Collin. Um, he was kind of a guy that was on the fringe of, of uh, at Orlando. Yeah, last year with Orlando, and yeah, they got and him in a the, deal. And, yeah, uh, albeit he's had problems with injuries, but he's a guy that's come in and, and played a, a good role for the Ripples. So maybe this is what uh, what Jesse Marsh sees. Obviously, with uh, having trained with the team for two weeks, 
there's a much closer look that you could take at a player rather than watching film or having a guy scout him. Yeah. Uh, and how are you going to scout him if he's not playing? You're going to scout him in training? You know, that that's not going to happen. Uh, so the two-week period and, and being an evaluation period and, and Jesse Jesse Marsh uh, making the decision to keep him, I think that, uh, you know, he obviously saw something in him that he it fits the system. And as I mentioned, I think – most of all is the fact that he's a veteran and the fact that he's a guy that can come in and balance a team that's mostly composed of young players. Yep. Well, their next match will be this Saturday night at home against Orlando City, who comes for a visit. Right now, Orlando City, uh, they got off to a good start early in the year. In fact, they beat the Red Bulls 1-0 down in Orlando, where... um, yeah, that just seemed like where the Red Bulls actually sort of switched up their formation from the 4-2-2-2. And yeah. Red Bulls were actually – they were sort of hard done uh, to come away with it. I mean, you sort of earn your result, but they had many opportunities to get the equalizer and even maybe put in a few goals and win that match. But Orlando did hold on, won 1-0. Uh, Carrasso came on – or Sarando Carrasso came on, injury replacement in the first half. He scored off a corner for Orlando. I believe that's his only goal this year. Um, they they come into this game. They're, they're, they're sitting right now in seventh place in the Eastern Conference, two points behind Columbus Crew, who we just said. And uh, they do have a game in hand on Columbus. And you look at some of the guys they have on this roster. They have Kyle Lahren, who's still there right now. He should be playing Saturday night. Who knows if he's going to survive the rest of the, the, the European transfer window and he goes off to Europe before the end of that window. Uh, Dom Dwyer makes his return. I put in quotes, air quotes, as no one can really say, makes his return to Orlando. He played with Orlando City, the USL side, before they made the jump to MLS. So he has the connections. They brought him back. There was even, I know, Kristen Dyer, I read one of his tweets yep, saying yep. that the Red Bulls were even possibly interested in, in, in Dwyer before he went back to Orlando. And there's always there's still Kaká's there, uh, Carlos Rivas, Will Johnson, Jonathan Spector, who uh, made the move back to the United States from playing several years in England on their defense. Bet Joe Bet uh, Joe Bet he's, he's hurt. Spector is out. Oh, he's out this week. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's out. Uh, he's out for a few weeks with an injury. I just okay. uh, read that on Twitter. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah. You know what? Just thinking about that right now, I think I remember seeing that. Yeah, I saw something like a few weeks ago. I saw something on the app, and I saw there was like a, a mm. like a, the medical Across. market next to him. Yeah, maybe maybe that's why I saw Alex Ferguson got rid of him. He he briefly made a stint with Manchester United before he shipped them off to Birmingham. He was playing there for a few years. Bet Nick and goal though leads MLS and saves eighty three. Yeah. Number two is Robles, mm-hmm. and as you were saying with Connor Lade and Aurelian Collin, they're both back in in practice and training this week. So it looks like they might be available, which it would be desperately needed right now for the Red Bulls to have two of them at least back and available, whether if they start or not, but the back now seeing what happened with, um, you know, the Orlando is, it's been tricky. You, you look at their roster and you say, all right, they're still struggling to get a playoff spot. I know Jesse Marsh was quoted during one of his press conferences with the media, during the media scrums, said it's almost a little bit head-scratching how they haven't scored uh, many goals as they, they, they struggled to score goals this year with a lot of the guys they have, a lot of the firepower. 
just looking at what happened to the Red Bulls, there was some defensive breakdowns, but there's also a lot of opportunities that NYCFC had on Sunday where they could have scored goals on their own right, but either were offside or some good saves by Robles or some guys tracking back. Is there still more cause of concerns with this formation where sometimes it does leave them exposed with uh, Orlando coming to town? Or you still think where uh, Orlando still has to show you something before you can really worry about them changing your formation and just try to go and attack Orlando? Yeah, no, you know, I, I don't think that the Rebels are going to uh, to change much against Orlando, as I've mentioned. Um, I think that the the game against NYCFC, albeit uh, a loss, and it's never good to, to lose in the South Bronx. Um, yeah. But I think that the team comes out of that game with their heads held up high because I, I feel that they played well and the team recognizes that NYCFC wins this that game because of, of mental lapses, because of mistakes by the Red Bulls. So it's not like the team hasn't been playing well. On the contrary, the team has, has been playing well, albeit against teams that are, are on, lower on the table than the Red Bulls, yeah. which is something that you had mentioned off air. But uh, I don't think that the Red Bulls are going to uh, uh, change anything against, uh, against Orlando. I think that they're going to go to what's been successful for them, and that's been the, the three-back system. Uh, I'll be curious to see if Laren plays because usually when there's a move pending and, and the European window closes on the 31st of August, so we've still got a couple more weeks to go. But when there's a move pending, usually teams will not risk getting a player hurt yeah. um, to, so that the, to jeopardize the deal. All uh, right. So I'll be curious to see if Laren plays. If Laren doesn't play, obviously I feel bad for Orlando fans. They will lose uh, their main scorer for the past couple seasons. Yeah. Uh, so I, I will be, uh, I'll be curious to see if Laren's going to play. But again, um, as, as, as Marsh mentioned, he, he, it's a head scratcher why this team hasn't scored more goals. But that's the thing, right? They have the weapons. Uh, they have the guys. Um, and at any point, they can open it up. So hopefully it won't be against the Red Bulls that they'll open it up. The Red Bulls uh, will be able to shut them down. Um, and, and hopefully the Red Bulls will get back on the winning track, especially at home with your fans on Pride Night at Red Bull Arena on Saturday, uh, a momentous occasion, uh, if you will. They're going to have fireworks after the game. So I, I think that the, the Red Bulls really need to step up and to tell their fans, look, uh, this NYCFC was just a bump in the road. We're here. We're trying to put something together. Uh, we got transfers. We got new blood. And we're really going to, we're going to start our run right now. Yeah, so, I, I, I would agree with you. I would say, you know, as they say, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. I would come out there, try from the get-go, and, and try to light up Orlando. Uh, I would, you know, yeah, they, they might get some of the breaks, but I would just say, all right, give us the ball back. We'll come right back down and score again. I, I think that would be the best way. Just do, yeah. you know, look at what you did right and wrong against NYC, but also look at what you did in the past few games that you did right and just keep on going. And this, or you know what, as we said, yeah, maybe they haven't gotten the results they wanted against some of the top teams, but you know what, put your foot on the throat of these uh, teams that are below you and, and, yeah. and finish them off. You're talking about Orlando is five points behind the Red Bulls. Red Bulls come out, they, they can make that gap eight points. That, that's, yeah. that's a pretty significant gap and, it would, then yeah. you could start setting things up 
come playoff time and think of how you're going to attack some of these other other teams. Yeah. With the game on Tuesday, the U.S. Open Cup game, now everything, you know, MLS, the league itself, is priority number one. But you're heading into a semifinal of, uh, you know, a, a popular tournament here in the United States among soccer fans looked upon as the FA Cup. Well, it is pretty much of of U.S. soccer. And knowing this team's history and how how little often they've gotten to, to cup finals, they've done it you know, in U.S. Open Cup before, but they've lost. They've made it to MLS Cup the final once, and they've lost. Just knowing how this, this, this franchise is starved for trophies, how much is that a play going into the game on Saturday, knowing you have this game Tuesday against a USL team, but still – you have to go on the road to that. It's going to be a hostile environment there at Nippert Stadium. It's sold out. Probably over 30,000 people they're going to have there. How much does that play affect with the selection that you have on Saturday going into Tuesday? I mean, surely this has, got, has to be a thought in Jesse Marsh's uh, head. But I think that you have reached the stage uh, of the season um, that you really can't be – thinking of the game ahead you got to face each game as it comes and, and try to win each game as it comes I mean uh, if you want to go back that game against uh, Kansas City where things kind of went awry after that mm-hmm. where the Red Bulls saved some players to play Philadelphia um, you, we know all that worked out I think that the yeah. main focus right now needs to be on the next game regardless uh, and look, I totally understand the importance. I, I understand what this would mean to the Red Bulls to get to that final of the U.S. Open Cup. But I think that right now you really can't be looking past this Orlando game because, as you mentioned, this Orlando team is five five points behind you. Um, if you put three points on top of them, you really put yourself in a comfortable position. And, and the most important thing is is, again, building that momentum, building that momentum, getting hot towards the end of, of the season and uh, of the regular season. So that's what the most important thing for the Red Bulls right now. And that's what, what the approach they should take to this game. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously you, you can't worry about games well ahead in advance that, you know, because then, you know, you get the game right in front of you and all of a sudden you get smacked around and then what do you do? Yeah. I'd say go into this game. Go full throttle, and then you see what you have for, for Tuesday. More than likely, you still should have a side that you could put out there on Tuesday that's going to be able to, to to get the victory and then head to the to the cup final. Uh, we'll see uh, Saturday night if the Red Bulls can bounce back, just make that, uh, that game in the Bronx last week a bit of a slip-up, but keep that momentum that they've built up starting before the Gold Cup, and they've took it afterwards. Alfredo, it's great once again speaking to you. Uh, we'll, we'll start doing this again more often, fans. We promise that we get a little bit more of a consistent schedule, and we'll be back, report more about the Red Bulls. Alfredo, good talking to you again, buddy. Have a good night, all right? See you, Mike. All right, for Alfredo Famasas, I'm Mike Corbett. Thanks once again for listening to the Full Bulls Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, and visit our Facebook page and subscribe on iTunes. This has been a presentation of the Full of Bulls Podcast. Thank you for listening.